0: There are several things you should know before seeking a GPO. Do you know whom to talk to and when? How knowledgeable is your sales team? And have you identified the correct supply chain? Here's what you need to know. GPOs, the good, the bad, and the ugly at the MedTech Business Academy. Joining us today from the Medtech Expert team are...
1: Hi, I'm Scott Alexander, CEO of Gyrus Marketing. Hi, my name is Mike Sparduti, and I am the CEO of Emerge Sales.
2: This is Skinner Derity, CEO of the Clinician
3: Exchange.
0: I'm Barbara Strain, principal and owner of Barbara Strain Consulting. Hi,
3: I'm Tom Hickey. I'm Senior Vice President of Business Development for TTI Health Research and Economics, and the host of Medtech Gurus, a podcast that talks about healthcare innovations in the medtech industry. Well, cool.
4: Good to see everybody. It's the Med Tech experts here, and uh, we don't have our illustrious host, uh, Ted Newell, who normally keeps us uh, in check. So today's going to be a really interesting edition of uh, Med Tech experts. Um, we're going to jump in. We're going to talk about GPOs. We're going to do the good, the bad, the ugly, really kind of have an unfiltered conversation about what we think. Um, and no matter what we say, Ted can't come back and get us. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, <laughs> and so... I guess just to start off, I'll, I'll kick off the conversation uh, with what I think is fairly provocative. I think GPOs are overrated and the contracts, I know, right? The contracts that you get.
2: Wait, you don't are, still get paid, but the, those checks cleared, I assume. This, those checks cleared.
4: I, <laughs> in fact, did run a GPO and I would make the argument if I was a small to mid-sized medical device company, I would try to figure out how to not write a GPO contract for as long as I humanly could. So
1: I don't know. I'm just gonna kind of drop that ball and see
3: where
1: it goes. So stay there. So what if I'm a small manufacturer and when I call and they say, do you have a, a, are you on contract? And I say, no, how would I get around that? You know what I would say is I would say um,
4: we prefer to write local agreements. It allows us to provide better uh, pricing to an individual facility or hospital Uh, And it speeds up the process because we already have the agreement and we don't have to go through the GPO and then back down to the regional collaborative that you're in. And then next step and next step, we can just get the deal done and I can give you the best rate
1: possible. No. And so look, I like, I like what you said, but the reality is what's the relationship with the GPO and what is the obligation to the GPO and would that in fact actually work what you just said? Yeah. I, I, I think it does.
0: I mean, I don't know. Barbara, what do you think? Well, I'll, I'll tell you the, the good, bad, and ugly about that piece is yeah. it can work. There are ways in which you can uh, you know look at everything, but you have to make sure you're talking to the right people at the provider organizations who can really say that. Mm-hmm. Um, Sometimes that's value analysis because they straddle, you know, a lot of different footprints and things. Sometimes you have to make sure the contracting director is there or specific individuals. Um, The GPOs, you also have to know what your commitment level is in that particular category that that supplier is in. So you have to juggle a lot of balls in the air. Mm -hmm. You'd like to know just enough information when you get an email, virtual call, whatever, what am I dealing with so I can kind of work through those kind of details before you even have a call with me or come on site.
3: And I'd add, I've used that strategy successfully. And in my past experience, I've worked and represented small manufacturers. And a couple of things that I would add is you need a fairly strong clinical champion to help with that process. And you need to, to Barbara's point, find the right person in supply chain that's open-minded enough to be able to make that work. And then lastly, your sales team has to be really knowledgeable because if you bring that up, you've got to be able to execute. And what I would ask Scott is if you, with your advice with the small manufacturers, would you offer up the GPL uh, fee to that entity to be able to pay back or acknowledge the gpo on the back end yeah as far as basically
4: saying hey i can give you a better rate you know i'll I'll reduce my price by three percent so because i don't have to pay admin fees right yeah Yeah. i mean i i think i wouldn't lead with that necessarily Mm -hmm. but um but you could come in and you could say hey look at here's what we're gonna do i'm gonna give you the i can give you the best price possible if it's important for you to get a rebate or some other kind of remuneration uh like you do from the gpo i'm glad to i'm glad to do that um i i think i think that yes you can address those kinds of things um on a regular you already know what the issues are going to be so yeah you can come in with that that kind of a um an opportunity when if they raise the flag on you right
2: how much of what you said is is circumstantial based on product category maturity of the category maturity how many entrants and players there are etc
4: oh yeah i mean i feel like i i feel like it makes a big it makes a big difference right if you're here i'll give you an example we had a, a company that we worked with they make um saline right so the saline products they went and they got on a contract for uh, i know i know the guys well um and they're great guys and um they went and got on a contract with the GPO and I respectfully told my friend who was, you know, senior guy there. I was like, I would not, ex- it was a regional collaborative. We would all know them. If I mentioned them, uh, I said, I, you're not going to get a single, single deal out of that. And um, unfortunately I was right. I, I think the reality is you have to understand the circumstance you're walking into to understand like, what well, do you have to do anyway? Is it kind of like, you know, just having to pay the piper or can you get away with it? But I would say, and again, just like it to be controversial because Ted's not here. um, I would go that route first. If I have a new product, regardless of
2: product category,
4: regardless of product category, whatever, right? What do we have? What's the most commoditized thing we can think about? Gauze, right? Well, that would be a bad, You're, you're, if you have gauze and you're trying to get into a market, I can assure you having a GPO contract or not is not the difference between whether or not you're going to have a successful business. Mm -hmm. right so i would go in as my first step try and go to market without it and then see how badly you need to do to to actually get something like
2: wound dressings
4: right yeah so if you have some sort of magically impregnated uh goo that's gonna you know turn a diabetic foot ulcer into nice pink healthy tissue in a day like gpo having a gpo contract or not is not going to make a difference
0: That's why we like to hear all that clinical stuff first. Why did you actually make the product? What does it really do? All that sort of thing. And then we'll straddle the question, GPO or not to GPO, that is the question. Yeah,
1: So what you're saying, I think, Barbara, is if it's a me too product, I mean, if you're bringing absolutely no innovation to the marketplace, what's your success rate gonna be anyway, whether you have the GPO contract or not. But Mm -hmm. if you're truly bringing innovation, then, most likely it's not you know that whatever that differentiation is not going to be on the gpo contract so there'd be an argument for hey you don't even have a product like it even though there's a product similar would that be right
0: yeah that's right and that's what we do in value analysis they'll they'll do that head-to-head review or if they have a third-party service that does that or whatever uh regardless of what contract is out there all those sorts of things just to make sure I am getting the additional and the keywords value. It's not necessarily all about the price.
3: I'd like to flip the question around a little bit because years ago, I was a regional director on the sales side for the old Amerinet, right? And we'd have small companies come to us. And there was always a difference because some of the companies would come to us and they would think of us, my sales team, as their sales team and think of us in the uh, kind of the specialty distributor context, and that's not what we would do. Other companies would come to us and go, to Barbara's point, here's our value, right? And here's what it's going to mean to your uh, um, clients, your members, and by taking that to them, they're going to see XYZ savings, and if you know, they can sign their contract commitment forms or whatever the vehicle was, it'll create enhance revenue for your GPO, It will create the right outcome. And those engagements, those discussions were very useful. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it depends on the attitude of the company coming in and what their Mm -hmm. expectations are. And and the different GPOs also have a different approach to this. Mm -hmm. So it's not a one size fits all uh, approach. You really have to think about what GPO am I working with? What drives them? Why are there members with that GPO?
0: So you bring up a really good point that I was I jotted down just before we started this that I want to make sure. So you just open that window for me. Is for any new med tech companies out there that are listening, those that are you know kind of in this middle category and things, and then all the other ships at sea, you have to know GPO language. You have to understand. Who is out there? What do they do? What are some of the basic principles to live by? Because just trying to learn it by the seat of your pants, you're going to not be very successful and it's going to take you a while. And your potential uh, provider customers may not be that patient with you. Because I have sat across from people when you ask. Uh, do you have a GPO contract? And they go, we'll give you GPO pricing. I said, well, tell me what the actual GPO contract number is so I can go look it up. But we'll give you GPO pricing. That tells me you don't understand anything about the healthcare world. Mm -hmm.
4: It, It is really different, right? If you think about a Marinette versus HPG, right? Very different models and philosophies. I think skinner back to your question about you know is it how many players are in that space right is it two people is it 100 people right and then i think if you're going to go down the route of getting a gpo contract you really need to understand what is the gpo going to do for you mm-hmm. uh, right so one of the things that you know back when i was running the gpo at roi you know we would get somebody on contract and they'd be like can you guarantee me mercy's business right? And, you know, maybe, maybe not, you know, probably not. We can help you get in or whatever the case might be, depending upon the category. But, but that's, that's the kind of thing that you really need to understand is what are you going to get from this kind of a relationship? Um, And how do you, I also think that you, you, to a great degree, you need to be the squeaky wheel, right? I mean, you sit down and, um, you talk, you, you you come up with a plan. If I was negotiating on behalf of the manufacturer, I would come in and I would say, look, what are you going to do for me? And then how do we, how do I tie my admin fees to your help in growing my business? Um, you know, one of the things that um, I personally find really, um, I don't know what the right, right word is, but I get frustrated when I hear GPO is basically strong arming suppliers into like, you give me 3%, or like, or else I'm gonna I'm gonna burn you. And by the way, I get it just because I already have the relationships with the members. To me, like that's not cool. That that's that's basically just raising the price of all of healthcare by 3%. And that, I don't know if you know this or not, but we spent a lot of money on healthcare and there's a lot of waste. I would say that 3% admin fee is a lot of waste if you're not actually driving value as a result of it. So I think it's important to make sure you understand what are they gonna do to help you grow your business, that you tie your admin fees to success and growth and you you protect yourself from getting just strong-armed and giving up 3%, um, especially because a lot of times they want it on the current book of business, right? So you've already got it somewhere, and they're like, well, to get these other ones, you have to give me three percent on St. Somewhere. I don't know. I, I kind of chafe at that.
1: I can hear the GPO screaming. I know exactly. Yeah, I'm just I you know, all my friendships. And, yeah. yeah, and uh, <laughs> I guess you know their argument's going to be, hey, listen, you know, we aggregate purchasing power, which is going to drive down the costs a lot more than the three percent that we're uh, charging. Um, but I totally understand your point, and I guess from my perspective, I'd like to understand. Most of the GPO contracts that I've ever worked on were licensed to hunt, meaning you got the contract, good luck, go sell. Um, are there any GPO contracts that are committed volume where if you do actually stroke a pen that you know, you're know you guaranteed volume? Because that to me would be a lot more attractive than just a license to hunt. HPG.
2: or yeah. Yeah, Well, it's, the, it's supposed to be. Premier sent too. It's Premiere not automatic.
4: Or- Sorry, Tom, you were going
3: to say something? Tom. I said Premier Ascend does that too, I believe. is that That's what they call that, that group. There's a they're... lot
0: of what you have to also, this is all part of the learning curve is you have to learn all the buzzwords about all the various programs each GPO has. It's not mm-hmm. just here's the contract, but is it part of Ascend? They also have, so we don't just mean to mention any one particular GPOs, programs but they all have several and depending on what the member healthcare organization qualifies for or belongs to all those separate programs means totally different price points but the the commitment goes higher and higher based on that so you have to again understand all those uh, you have to have a gpo whisperer that mm-hmm. just helps you navigate you have to
2: understand all the opt-outs that's the thing that trips you up with all those programs is you know because i've i've had the good fortune or misfortune of being awarded and having worked on a couple of those uh high compliance agreements mm-hmm. only to then go around to the membership and say hey you're supposed to you're supposed to be compliant to this, as I understand you're part of the program. And they say, well, we finagle this opt out using this clause and this clause. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, the agreement that you signed and thought was was going to be that much more powerful had too many outs.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. let's assume for a second, or Mike, I don't know if you're going to follow up on that. No, I, I do have a
1: question, but you, you go first.
4: Yeah, cool. I was going to shift gears a little bit to say, okay, assume now we actually like GPOs and feel like they provide a ton of value, right? They they do, I will say the thing that, that GPOs do is they establish a ceiling for pricing, right? And so if you wanted to make the argument that they uh, are driving value in the industry, it's because they make sure that there's a do not exceed uh, pricing aspect. But but say you say you did say hey I need to get a GPR contract. What do we feel like? What's the what's the best way to get the the best value out of that kind of a relationship based on y'all's experience? You're what talking
0: from a med tech standpoint. Yeah. I'm thinking okay. from a med tech standpoint.
3: I would think it depends on the size of the company, right? It, it, it's much different if you're a startup or a small company versus maybe somebody that's got you know, $500 million in sales, right? Because now, you know, the GPO, it's, they, you've got their attention when you add that 3% admin fee. But if you're thinking from a smaller med tech firm, I, my belief is once you get that agreement, the next step is to make the GPO field reps, you know, they're the liaison between the hospital and the, the, the company, your best friend. Mm -hmm. And don't expect them to be your salesperson, but, you know, buy them a cup of coffee, whatever, and, and talk to them about your value proposition and then ask them not for their whole member list in their area, but what are the one or two facilities that you think would really benefit from this and be happy with that, right, and go and work and get those and then work on the next one and then the next one, but it's really making that field executive your best friend.
0: So for those people out there in med tech land don't realize that there are a flotilla of all of these representatives that have either one very large system that they assist, sometimes they actually have a, a brick and mortar desk, or they're only assigned to the, that one big one, or they have like several hospitals and other entities That are members in a region and they call on the provider organization usually at least once a month and they bring here's all the new contract lists here's all the things that are expiring here's all the things that they've already done some analysis and say if you do this one on this category and there's six you know suppliers in this here's where most of your value will come from price wise if your volume doesn't change so That's what we're talking about is they become your sort of uh, mini marketing group to really express what it is on these contracts. And they understand those ins and outs and the things that Skinder was talking about as opt-outs, opt-ins, all those sorts of things.
1: Barbara, you know, as I'm hearing you speak and I'm listening to everybody as a CEO, and if I was a CEO of a small medical device company, it just sounds to me that it's an incredibly complex situation when you're getting into the GPO world. And for me to tackle that with my team and learn it on the fly and by trial and error, just seems like it would be an incredible waste of time and resources. Uh, Who on, on the call here, who on the podcast here
3: could really help? And what would you do to assess some of those things? I think I could, um, you know, with my uh, engagement and my relationship with TTI Health Economics, we can help in terms of, you know, sizing and scoping some of those opportunities. But I think you also need a good GPO um, outreach group. You know, we've had representatives from Accelerant Consulting. That's one that you might consider somebody that are really experts in that to help navigate some of that, um, that pathway. You know, getting that right expertise can help save a lot of pain. You know, Mike. You know, if you've got that company and you know you don't have the bandwidth, it's how do you find those experts that can help you either define that value proposition that Barbara was talking about, right? And Barbara's a good one too that they ought to reach to because just this the helping to get that information put together, and then how do I present it? So Barbara, do you do that work as well?
0: Um, I know enough about GPOs probably to be dangerous, but the most important thing is I like to talk to uh, any suppliers, manufacturers of any level, whether it's one person who developed a company all the way to people that have, you know, 500 people that work for them, is you have to talk about, have you thought about, or do we think we qualify to be GPO worthy let me put it that way so for these small and mid the other thing you have to know is I have talked to lots of companies who have a national accounts person who is assigned to a specific GPO and if you don't have a person in place that's very knowledgeable and know when those contract cycles are going on how to get in front of it's almost like you're lobbyist in a way to the GPOs. But if they aren't dedicated to it full time and they're splitting their time amongst a lot of different duties, then it's it's not to your advantage even to have a GPO contract because you're not getting much penetration and you've split your sort of sales and marketing up too thin if you're not really focusing on it. So if you're going to do it, you've got to make the commitment either external or internal resource.
4: I think, I think it's interesting too, When you, let's assume that you have that contract and Tom, I wanted to kind of pull off of something that you described, right? So if we think about you have these regional folks that work for GPOX, whoever that is, you know, one of the ways I understand that they're compensated is based off of spend, right? How much of the spend is hitting my contracts as the as the rep. And, and so as you're thinking about how do you become that guy's best friend or that gal's best friend, it really comes down to understanding where are the opportunities where there may be off-contract spend and you're going to bring it on to contract because I'm now on, on a GPO contract. Um, right. So if you, if you do decide you're going down the GPO route, those are the kinds of things you want to think about, um, to be able to move it over because the reality is the world is economics. Right. And so if you have Randy, the rep, right, he works for premier just to pick him out of the air. Right. And he's in the Southeast. If he already has your category on contract for all of his hospitals, he's gonna be less motivated to spend time with you. Right. However, if you go to Sally, and she's up in the Northeast, and there's a lot of off-contract spend, then those you know then she may be your new best friend, or you may be hers. you be going to say, hey, look, let's put a plan together to go, I just as you said, Tom, let's go through account one through X to help move that spend on the contract. And by the way, I'm on contract, so I'm, you know, I can help you achieve
3: your objectives. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think you're on the right track in in some regards, Uh, but remember all of us in sales like to talk about something new, Yeah. right? And if you've prepared correctly using your example of Randy, for instance, who has a lot of density with a competitor, but Mm -hmm. if you've talked to Barbara and you've developed this really compelling value analysis pack, right? And you put it in front of Randy who can now go, wow, this is really great. We're going to see different outcomes. You know, this is really going to have my memberships um, interest because they'll have providing maybe better patient care, you know, quicker turnaround times, quicker wheels in, wheels out in surgery, whatever that might be. That's Mm kind of cool. You know, Randy might be excited about that. They might not. And that's why I said the comment earlier of, you know, just find that one or two account, Mm -hmm. accounts that might work because of the, the region, you know, Randy might have 15 accounts he's managing, there's probably one or two that aren't as compliant as some of the others. Yep. And then for the, uh, I think you said it was Sally up in the Northeast. For yep. Sally, it's it's kind of the same discussion, but now it's really showing and understanding again what the uptake is, right? What's, what's their win? What's Sally's win here? And now she can really be the hero for her region because now she gets better contract compliance. So I think back to the point Barbara made, it's really understanding those nuances and I think you can get a lot of that by just sitting down over a cup of coffee and, and feeling those folks out in the sense of, you know, what's going on. And if you were me, how would you position this? Yeah.
1: yeah. Where, does, where does distribution come in to the play here? Meaning, you know, <laughs> do I, if I get the contract, do I ship direct or do I have to go to a McKesson or a Cardinal? And how hard is it for me to get into those entities after I get the contract? Can somebody just talk to that piece? All oh, the
0: stories I yeah, could tell. Yeah, I've lived
3: that dream too. I Go ahead, Barbara. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let you, and then uh, I've got some thoughts. Yeah,
0: so there's a lot of combinations and permutations there. So, one is if it's a commodity item, or if it's a pharmaceutical item, or a lab item, you know, then you start ticking the next box. Do you distribute through one of those? distributor options, right? Cause they all have GPO contracts as well. So if I've got a GPO contract with a distributor and now I'm gonna bring you on, then there's, you know, it can be a really great product um, and we really want it, need it, et cetera, et cetera. But now that manufacturer isn't speaking to our distributor because somewhere along the line, they have done them wrong. So we can't get our product through our normal channel. So now our supply chain person kind of blows their head because now I've got to do something different. Now I got to contract direct. Now I got to keep more on the shelf because their turnaround time. It all gets into a conundrum. But the the discussions I've had across the table is, but you're hurting your customer. I don't care. This is our stance. We can't do business with those individuals. So again, you got to know all those things and how everyone
3: rolls. I'll take a little different spin on that and build on it from the standpoint of uh, if you're a smaller company, you might also be using a, a regional specialty distributor. And to the point that we've been beaten home here, Mike, is if you're the VP of sales of that company, as you go into that GPO ne- negotiation, you've got to carve that out. And at first they're gonna dig their heels in, but you can successfully do it if you tell them, look, this product requires a lot of hands-on in servicing. It's very specialized. Maybe we're in the critical care area, maybe we're in the OR, maybe we're in the emergency department. It just, you know, but it needs a lot of that education. And as, as, as great as those big box distributors are, you know, we love them. They just don't have the capacity for this type of education. So this is why we must, from a patient safety standpoint, use our distributors. And that's, you need to negotiate that upfront. Once that contract signed, that's dead in the water. But if you carve it out up front, then you can use some of those other modes of distribution around some of the other types of uh, uh, large distributors. So
2: I think that's the key summary of all this is the cognition of the language. specific language to talk right i can't talk to I, i can't speak to how many small suppliers i've talked to at gpo conferences where they give the clinical spiel um and they're like do you know that product maybe maybe not and they're like well our product is better x y and z and you know and i always say well that probably works with the surgery department that probably works on the nursing floor but at this at this type of venue that's not the language, that, that's part of the story. That can't be your whole story here. You have to have more language covered than that.
0: Yeah, because some of the regional specialty distributors make agreements with the larger distributors so they don't have to have that issue. However, you have to understand all the background Um, discounts and fees and things that go on back and forth between the manufacturer region distributor with the big distributor. And guess where they pass on some of those increases? Hmm. Provider land. So when all of a sudden the price of something that we think negotiated, even with a very large company is X, oh, well, there's a freight factor and an admin fee on top of that for the distributor and this and that, and then pretty soon you're back at square one.
4: Yeah. I, I think one of the things from the distributor standpoint, and we could do a whole show on distribution, right? That's, we can probably do a couple of them. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I think is important for young, hungry, startups or companies that are trying to figure out how do you get to the next level is just the appreciation that Barbara is busy, right? The 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 head of supply chain, whoever it is, are super busy. And as much as you have a wonderful product, they have about 1.4 billion products they have to deal with on a daily basis. And so make it easy. You have, to, you have to understand the situation that they're in. And again, I think back to my time at Mercy when I was you know, running ROI and running the, the GPO at ROI. And you know, we'd have folks come in and be like, hey, look how great my product is. And the realities are like, great. And your systems are 10 times more difficult than what we're doing already today. And so even if you have a product that's slightly better from a clinical perspective, You're failing on the operational side of things, right? It's just you're 10 times harder. So we're not going to do it because you're not the only company that has a better product. So I think it's really important to understand how do you make it easy to buy something, even if it may be a slightly more complicated for you as the manufacturer.
0: Yeah. Besides having distribution in the uh, future as it may be a topic, but it's also the cost of conversion, why people might avoid even bringing on a product you you kind of open that window up about all the operational things that you'd have to go through
4: yeah i, I think this is great and we're coming up with some great ideas for for future uh calls but i know we're getting close to time right now um i guess we'll just go around the horn any any parting thoughts Skender? you want to kick off i,
2: I think it, it i think two things number one if you are even thinking about a GPO, you have to know everything outside of yourself. Think about the competitive landscape, think about the product category you're in. And then second to that, make sure as as Barbara and Tom and everybody have said here, make sure you have some sort of Sherpa uh, that can guide you through it because going it alone is just, you can get lost. Yeah.
1: Mike, any thoughts? Uh, I'm with Skendra on that one. I'm I'm, I'm hired an expert to help me because it just seems like it's riddled with uh, traps and landmines that I want to avoid.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Tom, anything? Yeah, just, um, you know, my advice is after you sign the GPO agreement, you've got to be very proactive. You can't go back and wait for the phone to ring because it won't. Yeah. Yeah. And Barbara, what are your what are your thoughts?
0: Well, I jotted down something and, and Skinder said, oh, that might be something good to say. So I basically I went back to, you know, the field of dreams is if you build it, the money just doesn't automatically come. It's a work in progress.
4: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I think just from my vantage point, it is uh, a contract with the GPO is in some cases a necessary aspect of running a business. But it, it doesn't mean that you're going to be successful. And so, just like you have a relationship with friends or family or uh, whatever the case might be—that you know, your, your odd uncle that you see at Thanksgiving—if um, you are going to be working with a GPO, you need to think about how you proactively build those relationships. Which I'm clearly burning to the ground today. But um, how do you how do you build those relationships and make sure that you're creating win-win situations uh, for for everybody involved? So. All right, well, thank you everybody for, for joining in. I feel like we did a pretty good job without Ted on here. We need to have a vote uh, off the call to see if we want to allow him back in next <laughs> week. But uh, this has been great. I really enjoyed the time and uh, hope everybody who's listening is as well. So have a great Jeff week. Scott. Thanks,
1: thanks, thanks miss, miss you, Ted, come <laughs> back. We're just kidding. Yeah,
4: exactly. Ted, we miss you. <laughs> yeah, please. It's harder than it
0: looks. GPOs don't automatically lead to success, but they can be a step in the right direction. Even once you have a GPO contract, it's imperative that you continue to keep an eye out for the barriers and pitfalls that can affect sales and success. Tune in next week as we discuss product distribution. Continue to earn your MBA with the MedTech Business Academy.